Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I'm locked in my house, and with me this week is Esposo de la Pastora, Dan Marcello. Yeah. Welcome back. No soy dueño de un Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Did the interview go that bad? <laughs> Where, <laughs> there was no game. interview. <laughs> Co-champion Scott Reed. Yeah. yeah. Co-champion of what? Mayor of Muffin Town, Bill Cow. Uh, I feel like Scott. Max, you should you should clarify something. You said I'm locked in my house, and with me this week, are <laughs> <laughs> and locked in my house with me this <laughs> week. Uh, I am recording over Zoom. Everybody else is in their uh, normal spot of the common grounds because uh, my house, Daniel, and I are under lockdown for COVID protections. Let me tell you what I went and got COVID tested this morning. I got there at six forty-five. I did not get out of there until nine forty-five. No way! Three <laughs> I've hours. I've had quite the last twenty-four hours. Um, yesterday, I started vacuuming my house and I started listening to nineteen eighty-four. I never read that before. I'm listening to the audiobook. I am about an hour away from being done with that. Um, so the last twenty-four hours of my life have been cleaning my house, listening to nineteen eighty-four. Uh, and being stuck in a COVID line for three hours. I didn't sleep for a single minute last night, no matter how hard I tried. So today's show is going to be from another planet. <laughs> Speaking of which, Bill Calvin, will you... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, it's Scott. Scott, will you pray? For, I'm already off to a great start. Scott, <laughs> will you pray for us? Yeah, I sure will. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and, and the ability to still... Uh, record the podcast, even when we can't all be together physically. Um, Lord, we just thank you for all that technology has allowed us to do these last eight months. And uh, Lord, we pray your blessing on this time. We pray that we would uh, have some insights from your Holy Spirit, Lord, some some words of wisdom, uh, and that people would just grow closer to you, learn more about you uh, by listening to it, and that we would experience the same by being a part of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, Scott, hit us with the would you rathers. All right. So per Max's request, we're just going to do some until we're done. <laughs> that's, I think was about the instructions I was more. given. I've got, <laughs> I've got a stack here, and I'm just going to read one per, and I guess we'll all answer them. All right. Uh, I don't know why you're acting like this is such a foreign event. I mean, we've done this every week in some variation. Well, the way you described it was basically we just... When you were mentioning it to me before the show started, it was like, well, let's just do what we did last week where we just kind of like kept going until we were kind of in the mood. And what we did last week was we just had one card and we just like... That's true. So that's last not week's the format that we did last week. So I'm just trying last to Last week's would you didn't end until minute 10 of the podcast. So, I mean, we, we talked for a long time about a lot of those questions. I'm just trying to make you happy, Max. Oh, it's working. Since it your last you 24 happy. hours have been awful. <laughs> it makes you happy. It can't be that bad. All right. Uh, that's not the case. That's Actually, not in the you know Bible what? at all. Because I've got this whole big <laughs> stack, <laughs> we're going to do questions till we're done, but I'm only going to ask one person each question. Bill, would you rather uh, run 20 miles in 68 degree weather or run 8 miles in 100 degree weather? 20 and 68. Huh. I don't want to do anything in 100 degree weather. Ever. Amen. Max, would you rather shave your head once and get a tattoo on your entire scalp? Or shave your eyebrows off permanently. Um, when you get a head tattoo, will your hair still grow back through it? Is that I think so? Does that happen? I, I believe so. Because I don't. When I think about like arm tattoos and stuff, like chest tattoos, like I don't think about having little hairs like poking through them. 
But if that's the case, I, I don't know what I would get, but I would definitely get a head tattoo and keep my eyebrows. Think of the fun um, surprise in like 30 years or When I start years. to go bald. And You're like, like, oh, yeah. How does it look? <laughs> it's like a treasure map. Dan, would you rather be insulted publicly in a speech by a politician or in a song by a famous rapper? Probably in a song by a famous rapper because the audience is probably going to be less than if I was insulted by a politician. Mm. By the way, according to Google, your hair will absolutely grow back over a tattooed area. Absolutely. Nice. That's good. The only way it wouldn't is if you had scar tissue. Okay. Huh. So assuming that we're not doing the tattoo ourselves, I, mm-hmm. I should be fine. All right. Uh, my question is, would I rather, while rock climbing 500 feet up, lose one shoe or both contact lenses? Well, since I don't need contact lenses, <laughs> That's I'll, cheating. I'll go with that one. Um, but you do need shoes. But I do need shoes. It's well. a known fact. If I don't have a shoe. I can't see or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, I feel like I have to go with contact lenses, but also I have no frame of reference for what that would be like. <laughs> Nor do they specify like how bad my eyesight is. Right. So I'll... Well, the questions ask of you, though. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll, right contact right. lenses makes no That's difference ridiculous. to me. In fact, Why it might actually include might actually be helpful. Take them out; they weren't working. <laughs> Couldn't see anything. Why would they include a question that specific and then something that generic? Like it's like your shoes or this very specific thing that only some people will have to deal with. Maybe know. there's some like high percentage of Americans that wear glasses. So they're I mean, playing the odds. I think that's sure. Bill, would you rather be forced to drive a smoky, air polluting car or be forced to throw your garbage into a local freshwater stream? Hmm. Hmm. Lesser of two really e- big evils. Throw garbage into a lens. Oh uh, man, that's hard. Here's a real selfish answer. I'd rather throw the garbage into the fresh stream so that I don't have to drive that car. Max, <laughs> out. All right. Would you rather live the rest of your life in 90 degree weather, wearing and sitting on vinyl, oh. or in 40 degree weather, wearing metal mesh and sitting on aluminum bleachers? Oh. I, I'm sitting. I like how I'm sitting on one material for the rest of my life i know <laughs> your couches are made of aluminum uh, and vinyl i honestly can hardly remember what like the feeling of vinyl is what's a what's a what's a well-known vinyl object a record your, that's what i was gonna okay, say well, that's well, not, seat, i'm not familiar with sometimes the upholstery of your car true or like or like leather leather it's like, real similar to having a leather coat yeah like oh, leather okay. pants or something um and it, i'm sorry i'm in like tinfoil Metal mesh is like, what it says. Like a knight's, like like chain mail is what I'm picturing. Oh. But probably lighter. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. I think I'd go cold. I'd go with the cold. I mean, 90 degrees is just miserable. Plus, you know, you're not going to sweat in the chain mail, right? But when you start sweating in vinyl, then it's just going to get perpetually worse and it's not going to stop. It's a runaway train at that point. <laughs> Whereas being cold in your metal mesh is just kind of miserable, but it stays the same consistent level for the duration of my life. <laughs> Max, you made the right choice. You know why? Thank you. Why? They did a study with kids in Japan <laughs> on clothing. And okay. So the, the weather was getting cold. You know, it couldn't get down in the 30s in Japan. And the, yeah. and the kids wore just gym shorts and a T-shirt all the time. Mm-hmm. And they got used to it. Mm. I, I don't think it was meant to be like a psychological study. It was just that was their school uniform. And they wore it all year round. Your, mm. Our bodies adapt to the temperature. But they sure. won't adapt to vinyl. 
But yeah, the vinyl boy, that's different. That's just unnatural. Yeah. This reminds me of one time we were living in Mexico and it was like this time of year it would, get, it would be the most like the coldest, like 40s, 50s in the mornings and the kids would go to school and the parents would complain because the school uniform is jeans. Parents were like, this is ridiculous. Jeans make you so much colder. Have them wear just regular sports pants. Huh. 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 <laughs> there was like a revolt of parents in like the the like the text chains. Like, I, no, we gotta talk to them about no jeans. Like in America, all we wear is jeans in the winter. Dan, <laughs> would you rather after three days without eating have a sumptuous Thanksgiving meal? Topical. A sumptuous mm. Thanksgiving meal placed in front of you and win five thousand dollars by waiting sixteen hours to eat it. <laughs> Let's just say sixteen hours. The Thanksgiving meals will be garbage after that, but let's assume it stays good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or just dig in. So you're having eaten um, for three days. You either get $5,000 and wait 16 more hours 16 while hours. sitting in front of a Thanksgiving meal, or you just eat it. No, I'd wait. Me I'd too. Wait. Me too. $5,000. After you fasted three days, you're hey, what's not it? that hungry anymore. How much? What's another 16 hours? <laughs> How much did they offer you? Uh, to not throw out the World Series first pitch, what was the cash prize for that? I think it was, was like a thousand dollars, three thousand, <laughs> yeah, three thousand, three thousand dollars. I can't believe in these people's minds, not eating for Thanksgiving dinner for sixteen hours is worth more than no. Because Bill's got a point when you're when you're pitch. waiting that long. What's another? Yeah. It's not like ah, oh. that's right. If you have I mean, to sit there and look at it for sixteen hours, that would be real right. torture. I've never gone three hours without eating, and I've certainly never gone sixteen hours sitting in front of a perpetually fresh meal, but. <laughs> I think $5,000 will be worth it. True. I mean, I would just like to see this perpetually fresh meal. I know. I'd pay $5,000 to see <laughs> Gosh darn it. I'm All getting right. a deal. Um, would I rather have someone snoop through my closet or through my computer files? Oh. Well, I think I'd rather have them snoop through my computer files because it'd be much more interesting for them. All that's in my closet is clothes. But if you go through my computer files, you'll find a lot of videos from the last few days of people mm. restoring old like really rusty old toys and like old video game consoles that are in horrible condition. And I think nice. it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So they'd probably like that more than just looking at my socks. I like that you're trying to take care of them. You're like, I don't want them to be so disappointed when they think they can root <laughs> through my stuff and it's just a bunch of like leather shoes. <laughs> I want them to have like a good time. I got some great YouTube videos on there. <laughs> Uh, it is time for Boundaries with Bill, the part of the show where the best offense is a good defense. Um, I've been reading Dr. Henry Cloud's book, Boundaries, and the first chapter ends with several key questions about setting biblical boundaries in our lives. Our question for the panel this week um, is kind of a two-parter, but to start off, why do I feel guilty or afraid when I try to set boundaries? Where does that come from? Oh, man, I think... For me, that I identify with this question because I intend to be on the people-pleasing end of the spectrum, mm -hmm. and disappointing people or making people feel like I didn't meet an expectation of theirs or making them feel bad. Like I'm big on harmony, and so that that's hard for me. Yeah, I definitely experience that as well. Um, I run into that uh, just like the 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 idea of letting people down. Uh, is terrifying to me. And so like, what could let someone down more than them asking for something from you and you having to say no, oh, is awful and unhealthy, right? Be being addicted to that, being mm -hmm. stuck in that mindset is, is definitely, um, definitely bad for you and definitely not a, a godly boundary, but yeah, because I mean, let's face it. If someone has, you have a good relationship with someone, you have to say no about something. Chances are they're going to understand and not really take it mm -hmm. to the extreme that sometimes it's easy to think like, oh, if I have to say no, they're not mm -hmm. going to like me anymore. Or they're just going to 
yeah. you know, hate me. Like most logical, normal people are just going to, are going to be more understanding than we give them credit for. Or we think sometimes. Yeah, I agree. I think you look at somebody like Bill Calvin. Who, let's all look at him. Let's look. I can't. That's the <laughs> thing. I can only see Scott right now. So like, I can't do my thing where I normally stare at you guys until you talk. Um, <laughs> you look at somebody like Bill Calvin, you know, the, the thought process I often find myself going through is, you know, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for some action of mine to make someone change their mind. Uh, about being my friend, about, you know, our relationship, about whatever, you know, I feel like Bill, uh, and and you and I have spoken about this a lot over my relationship with you. I would love for you to share a little bit about just trying to see relationships at face value, really, really see them for what they are as like honestly as possible. Could you talk a little bit about just like what that is like to really see a relationship for, for what it is the way it actually is? Well, I think Dan spoke to it just a moment ago. In a healthy relationship, people are understanding. If you have to say no, they realize you have another commitment or you're exhausted. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it might not be, I absolutely cannot do this. Uh, it's, it's a matter of priority saying, well, I've already committed this time to Nancy, my wife. Or I've already committed this time to some other area of work. As long as you're a diligent person and you're living in integrity, you've got nothing to worry about. It's not going to mm. rebound and bite you on the backside. I think one of the things that helps me with boundaries is to have someone to bounce off. Hey, what do you think is mm. a situation? So, like for me, my wife is huge in that. I don't mean that she's big. Sorry. She's going to listen to me like you said. My wife, she's like 11 feet tall. It's crazy. She is really helpful to me in this area to have someone to bounce it off, like an idea off of her. So like I was asked to do this. Like, what do you think? Do I have the bandwidth? Do, do I, I have this and this going on? What do you think? And so a lot of times their answer is, yeah, I think you can. Sometimes it's, well, you have this other thing going on at the same time. Maybe you don't realize it. So that's helpful yeah. to me to have someone to bounce these things off of. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And someone to like remind you, not just of your schedule, but also like of, or like your, your schedule at that time, mm -hmm. but like your schedule in general. Yeah. And it's because like, I think sometimes it's easy to forget or not take into account the toll, whether it's physical or emotional or what, or whatever, that like adding another thing on will mm -hmm. have, mm -hmm. you know, like, but, yeah, but a spouse or, or a close friend or whatever can say like, Hey, you've been, you've been doing a lot this week. And I think like, if you do this too, then you might kind of burn out a little bit mm -hmm. and, and it mm -hmm. might, it might hurt you. So yeah, so yeah that, that is super helpful. I think that goes both ways, you know, when it comes to, to God is, is that for me, when I start to fly out of my boundaries, which I'm still very new at setting. Um, but over the last couple of years, when I've started to fly out of my boundaries have, has almost always coincided with times that my relationship with God has felt like it's at a, at a, at a lower point. Um, I think when, when my life is really balanced in my, um, in my faith and in the way I'm spending my time and starting my day off right every day with reading the Bible and, and, and taking sort of an unrestricted amount of time to pray, that is when I respect my boundaries the most. And it's when I start to try and cram the most things in, um, that I start to shave off God's time and, and really start to, to get out of control with that. One other question, because uh, this is kind of relevant as as the lockdown really starts to to proceed, and, and a lot of people, you know, were already working from home. 
I, to speak to my personal experience, like I work from home and so my job has more reach into my life than ever as things start to shut down. Um, for example, I, I've, you know, made a habit of doing a lot of my work, um, you know, during the lockdown, I've done a lot of my work at the church to try and have a physical separation, um, you know, editing the podcast at the church and things like that. Um, but the amount of time I've spent in quarantine over the last month has meant that I've been doing a lot of work at home and it's very hard to not at 7.30 p.m. respond to a text from an applicant, right, that I'm going to be interviewing or something like that. Um, how can we combat, like what's a practical piece of advice for how to combat work really um, – trying to have as much access to us as possible, really creeping in that back door and being like, oh, I could be productive like right now. I, I could do that thing that probably could wait till morning, but what if I just like put my life on hold and, and, mm -hmm. and did it right now? I guess my advice would be make sure to put God first because I feel like speaking from per very personally and honestly, the days where I haven't done that, where I have rushed off to do something else tend to be the worst days mm -hmm. just because I haven't, set my feet on the right foundation yet. And it's real easy for any of us to be like, well, I'm just going to get to it later. And then noon comes around and something else comes up. And then five o'clock comes around and pretty soon it's bedtime and we didn't do it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just a, a real key component, at least on the spiritual side of things. Uh, I, think, I think work and life and being in the same place is messy and there's a lot of tension and there's always something to learn from it. But on the spiritual side of really just taking time to be with God and not letting that go to the side or the wayside. Mm -hmm. Hmm. My, I guess my word of advice is just is not not as spiritually minded, so it's less important. It's just more <laughs> pragmatic, which is I think one of the most obtrusive work related things that can happen is like a text message. Mm -hmm. um, in some ways, even more than a phone call, because with a phone call, you either pick it up and resolve it, or you decline it, and then like you don't have to worry about it. But with a text message, it's there waiting for you to look at it. Yeah, um, and I think. Unfortunately, that you know, there's not like a lot that you can do about that necessarily. If you have like a work phone, which I know that you do, Max, just like putting it somewhere mm -hmm. when you're done working, like you know, putting it in like a drawer or something, and be like, I'll come back to this. But with with anything, you know, I think the there's obviously a, a sense of uh, self control that factors into it. You know, like you can just up and decide, well, I'm going to go work on this thing um, at any given point. But like, I think a big part of it, at least for me, a big thing that pulls me back into like work mode is seeing an email that like needs to be addressed or a text message that needs to be answered or like a problem that needs to be solved that kind of comes up. And so with most of, with many of those things, with emails or if you have a separate work phone with text, you know, whatever, just don't even go there. You know, just one thing that I do usually Saturday, Sunday afternoon as I go into my day off on Monday after the services are all done and everything's done is I just deactivate my work email on my phone um, so that I'm not even tempted to look at it. And then on Tuesday morning, I just reactivate it. It's a cool little feature that the Gmail app has. Um, so you could do that. You could just, you know, log out of your work email on your lap, on your computer so that you can't just like type in Gmail and, oh, mm -hmm. there it is. Like you would actually have to type in and, you know, really yeah. consciously log back in. You could put, you know, you could put your phone away, you could put whatever, but just taking steps to like remove yourself mm -hmm. from that, that communication between certain hours and just saying like, I'm not even going to look at this. Um, between now and tomorrow morning. Those are yeah. good tips. Yeah. I like something that Bill said maybe like a month ago. Or I don't know how long ago. feels like a long time ago. Maybe it was only like two weeks ago. <laughs> Could have been last week. They said like, knows. on my day off, I just leave work for 
the next time I'm going to be in the office and checking, mm-hmm. and I'm going to trust God. And that really resonated with me, just that the act of trusting. And for any of us of just saying, okay, not necessarily for pastors, if we're whatever we do for an occupation, for work, to trust God that it's all going to be there, <laughs> that things are that he's going to give us grace to put out fires if necessary, or maybe everything's fine in, in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Um, but to just make sure we take that time to rest. That really resonated yeah. with me that you said that, Bill. I don't know if you remember saying that, but you did. No. Okay, good. <laughs> no, no, taking a day off is an act of faith. Yeah. You mm. can get more mm. done in six days than you could in seven. Mm-hmm. So trust God for yeah. it. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. That has been Boundaries with Bill. Book reviews <laughs> with Bill will return uh, next week where we will probably talk about 1984. I will say, here's the something from my uh, fevered, exhausted brain, is that these are the same headphones I use when I edit the podcast. So to me, it's a very surreal experience to hear your voices the way that they sound when I edit the podcast, <laughs> but I can still like interact with them. Very odd. Let's get into Sermon Roundup. Yeehaw! There it is. <laughs> you missed it. Uh, it's ser- back. <laughs> Sermon Roundup is brought to you by the BC Learning Center. If you are trying to navigate between helping your children with e-learning, keeping peace between your children, motivating your children to stay focused on Zoom, making sure your children are not left alone at the house, and getting your own work accomplished, the Bloomingdale Church Learning Center is here for you. The BCLC is equipped with two certified teachers helping children stay on track with their classroom learning while maintaining proper social distancing. The BC Learning Center, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. To learn more, visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash learningcenter. At the BC Learning Center, your child's schoolwork is done before they get home. Uh, for Sermon Roundup uh, on Sunday, Pastor David talked about Luke 6, 37. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven in the NIV. My question for you, he gets into this, he got into this at the end of his of his sermon this weekend, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Is there a God-honoring judging that Christians can or should do? I'm thinking of the fact that a lot of times tough love is needed, whether that's in friendship situations or family situations, or sometimes God just nudges you to say something to someone that might be hard for them to hear, but ultimately you're put in that, cast into that role as something that you feel God leading you to do, which (laughs) it can be difficult I, I yeah. think in, in today's world and our culture, a lot of times not judging has become a synonym of, well, you just kind of have to go along with what everyone says. And if like if you're a judgmental person to someone that disagrees with me and lets me know it. Yeah. But we can't discount the fact that I think it looks like that if my brother in Christ, my someone going to church is living in sin and I see it and I feel like God is calling, leading me to say, hey, you, you can't be doing that. This is wrong. Like you're being unfaithful to your wife, you're cheating on your taxes, you're whatever it is. Um, and I'm just making up scenarios here. Sure. But to be bold and direct and and again, not for the purpose of tearing down, like like Pastor David mentioned, I'm going to talk about this verse as well in my sermon this coming weekend of uh, Ephesians 4.29, that everything we do be for the benefit of others, you know, building up other people. Yeah. Um, and so in that heart, in that attitude, not in a critical sense, but in a, in a loving sense and saying, I feel like I would be remiss not to bring this up because it's something I, f- I believe that God is nudging me, leading me to do. Hmm. Amen. Today when I was 
stretching, I was also listening to the book of James, and the book of James ends with this sentence. Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. And so you have to have judgment in order to say, oh, I've got to talk to this person and screw up your courage and lovingly talk to them about their sin. I used to just hate doing that. And I can't say, oh man, I love doing it now. I don't love doing it, but I feel compelled to do it. And I do. I simply, you know, sometimes it's by way of texting. They're texting me and I'll say, what about this? And, and call it sin as opposed to calling it your problem or this issue. Mm-hmm. Let's deal with this sin. Th- that is very loving. And I've seen people really be loyal and loving about Pastor David because he has the courage to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, your question, Max, made me think of this passage in 1 Corinthians 5. Um, I guess I'll start in verse 11. Paul writes, but now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? Mm-hmm. God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. And so like, it's pretty, it's pretty explicit. Like we are to judge in some form or another not those outside the church, which is, I think, something that we all too often do, um, mm. but those inside the church, because the standard that they're being called to is the Bible. We know exactly what standard they claim to be holding themselves to. Yeah. And apparently, according to Paul, we have a responsibility to hold them to that standard. And mm-hmm. and he uses the word judge, to judge those inside the church. Yeah. And I, I mean, the, just that accountability is definitely something that Paul talks about a lot about. I love every time he says uh, something to the effect of like, you didn't know any better before, um, mm. but now you know the truth and now you're responsible to the truth. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think people could easily say too, like, how do I know if I'm supposed to say something? Mm-hmm. Like that could be a big sticking point of like, is it me that is wanting to say something? Or is it God that's wanting me to say sure. something? Like, how can I know? Discerning that by prayer is real important. And also thinking like, is this something that's coming from me or how do I feel about this? Like mm-hmm. if it's something encountered to me that I'm like, I just really want to run away from this. I don't want to deal with this. And chances are God is trying to do something in me of wanting me to obey when I don't want to. Because mm. depending on your personality, confronting people can be hard. Sure. We don't know how they'll respond. It's time for listener mail. Uh, Scott, please ring the listener mail bell. Ding, ding, ding. Last week uh, at the intersection of our boundaries and our, our sermon roundup conversations, uh, we started talking about this question of whether or not um, there are people in our lives that God tells us like never to talk to again, um, to avoid. Uh, it's definitely a, a complicated subject, especially when it comes to harmful relationships. And Dan, I would love to get your take on it since you weren't here. Um, Bruce wrote in with a great point on the matter Um, He said, in my opinion, it's a hard one to generalize because so many situations are different. The one thing I would add is that anyone who's coming out of any kind of abusive situation should avoid their abuser, at least until they are fully recovered from uh, whatever happened. Um, What are you guys' thoughts on Bruce's point? It's kind of like what Dan was saying earlier about, should I go and talk to this person? 
is just kind of discerning where it's coming from. Um, mm. Probably on your own, you shouldn't go and interact with somebody who is abusive to you for quite some time. Or, or to use the example from last week, on your own, you shouldn't go back to your drug dealer and and interact with them again if you're a, you know, a recovering addict. But like, if God tells you to do that, mm-hmm. then then you do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know you got to be wise on your own but like sometimes god tells you to do things that seem kind of crazy and then you do mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. but i think it's just it's just being discerning and and trying to figure out like if god is telling you to do that or if it's just some yeah. impulse of your own kind of takes me back to having someone to bounce things off of whether it's a trusted friend or a mentor or a spouse or boyfriend girlfriend whoever that is to you or listeners um Having that person to really say, hey, I'm feeling this. Will you pray with me about it? Um, having some accountability in it. And someone who, if it, God is indeed leading you to go do this, to go with you even mm. in this hard thing. You don't have to face it by yourself. Mm. It reminds me of, kind of to your point, Scott, of the disciples' reaction when Paul becomes a Christian um, and mm-hmm. asks to join their ministry, and they're afraid of him because, like, this is the man who imprisoned and 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 killed their friends and their families. And not all of them are immediately. It seems not all of them are immediately called to accept him. Like Ananias and Barnabas are the ones who, who God explicitly tells to meet with him to vouch for him. And so I think there's like room for both. That like you may not be the person that God tells to rectify that relationship in his name, right? You may not be the person who leads that, that person to Christ, but you also could be right. Like Ananias resisted, um, but ultimately accepted that God was asking him to sort of do kind of do the impossible by like accepting this man and baptizing him um, entirely on faith while there are, you know, disciples in Jerusalem who, you know, don't want to accept him until Barnabas says, Barnabas testifies on his behalf and says, this is what I've seen from him in Damascus. And I've seen him, um, you know, prove to the the Jewish leaders there um, that Jesus is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, I there, think there definitely was some skepticism both. there for sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. What I like about that scenario and all everything that happened with the, with the apostles, you see like they all came around eventually Mm-hmm. Then speaking of judgment, you see Paul call out Peter yeah. <laughs> for 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 being kind of hypocritical and sinful. And when Gentiles would come, he would the Jewish people came when he was with the Gentiles, he would go away from where the Gentiles were, so not to cause waves and and Paul kind of called him out and said, This is not right. Mm. <laughs> you're you're leading people astray. So yeah. like I, I love that example. Tying it back to what we were talking about before. Yeah. That the bonds did grow and the over time it was a process for some of them. But even to see that kind of judgment going on, the positive side of judgment of Paul saying, hey, Peter, you can't be doing this. Kind of cool. Yeah. Well, let's get into topic of the week. Topic of the week this week is brought to you by the Thanksgiving Passion Project. Every Easter season, our church has a unique and impactful giving tradition called the Passion Project. But with the world upside down, Uh, We are celebrating now. So this Thanksgiving season, we'll be taking a Thanksgiving passion offering for five special and worthwhile projects around the world, including two with our sister churches in the inner city. 
Start asking God now how you can participate and consider giving to these projects on November 21st and 22nd, the weekend before Thanksgiving. The Thanksgiving Passion Project, November 21st and 22nd. Visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash passionproject2020 to learn more. Yeah, and people don't have to write on their checks or specify like Passion Project. We're taking the first $40,000 that we get and giving it all away. Hmm. For topic of the week this week, uh, let's talk about entertainment. Uh, the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5 both hit store shelves last week and are already sold <laughs> Not out. Not many of them. In most <laughs> okay. physical retailers, exactly. Um, the global video game industry is estimated to generate three times the annual revenue of the global box office, um, wow. and the age range of players is almost evenly distributed between ages 12 and 54 years old um, between the demographic categories across that age range. Um, what's most surprising statistic to me is that uh, in 2019, 46% of all video game players were female, which is a dramatic increase um, from the previous decade. All that to say, gaming, just like TV, movies, and music, has become a core part of American and international culture. Uh, and with the global shutdown... All forms of entertainment have seen huge surges in popularity. Um, entertainment is more accessible than ever. Uh, there's more of it than ever. Um, so it seems more appropriate than ever for us to talk about it. Um, uh, to, to start things off um, with Scripture, I want to look at Philippians 4.8, um, which is uh, often referred to when we talk about um, behaviors and choices and and. Uh, entertainment is definitely in that category. Uh, Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Um, and this corresponds once again uh, by staggering coincidence with uh, the conversations that we as a staff are having uh, reading through John Piper's Don't Waste Your Life. So um, part of that will definitely show up in this conversation. The initial reading to me of Philippians 4.8 seems pretty damning in a way that that is like an incredible standard to live up to that seems to preclude most ways we could spend our time, like honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Is baseball pure? I would not call it just. Um, <laughs> how can, um, to start off on a, a, a very broad note, how can we start this this conversation around what is sort of a, a, a biblical perspective on on how to to spend our our time, how to how to spend our leisure and our our recreation? I think something important just to throw it out there is don't let it control your life. Like people being centering their day or their their life around like I got to be home for my TV show, which of course is less common these days. I kind of dating sure. myself because <laughs> now you can just stream it, <laughs> but. Uh, and maybe it's maybe it's subtle for some people. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But mm -hmm. it's really easy to let these things kind of have the primacy in our lives mm -hmm. to the point where we're kind of we're kind of controlled by it instead of controlling it ourselves and kind of mastering our own impulses. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Is this controlling us, or are we controlling it? Mm. People's lives revolve around entertainment today. It wasn't like that when I was growing up. Mm. 
where I grew up, it was very common, particularly on my grandparents' street, that the men would be out in the street with their cars, working on their cars every evening so they could drive to work in the morning. Cars were just that cranky in those days. You couldn't count on them to run smoothly for like a whole week at once. It just didn't happen. So it's really alarming to me to see how people plan their day around entertainment. Hmm. One area that our country's far behind on, there are many people addicted to video games. Mm -hmm. I remember having a student at a Christian college nearby who was playing 12 hours a day all night long. Then he'd sleep all day and he wouldn't be in class. Mm -hmm. And I asked, well, where have you been? And it, it came out, he had a 12 hour video game habit. In other countries, they go to detox for it. They are in rehab for it. Mm. And, and that's really what's gotta be done because you talk about don't waste your life. Who wants to face God on Judgment Day and say, this is what I've done with my life. I, mm. I got to level 37 in Mortal Kombat or mm -hmm. you know, some, some game. Sure. I mean, that's just absolutely insane that, that mm -hmm. it gets to this place. Tell me, talk a little bit about, because um, I do want to hit both sides of this, um, because entertainment is like a, a reality of our lives, and I don't think it always has to be a strictly negative conversation topic. Amen. Um, how can entertainment be a blessing? Oh, it's good for your mental health. You really got to let that rubber band unwind. Hmm. So entertainment is important for that reason. I, I don't think of Jesus as being dour and sour and right. just always working. I, I think it would have been a lot of fun to walk with Jesus, especially to see all the miracles, but you can see Jesus has a tremendous sense of humor. They had to be spending a lot of time around the campfire <laughs> laughing, having a great time. So entertainment, it's, it's not evil, it's that it's overdone. Mm -hmm. it, it, Making a living is not evil. It's becoming greedy. That's where the evil is. Seems like everything we have in life, mm. you can overdo it. Mm. And there's a saying, it's meant to be funny in our family. What's worth doing is worth overdoing. But we all know, <laughs> no, no, that's sick. You, and even the best thing, you can overdo it and it's just sick. Mm. Going to church. If you've got to be here seven nights a week and knock yourself out and be crazy, man, even if you're the pastor, you are a crazy man. You are a big turnoff to the people watching your life. They don't want to just get absorbed mm -hmm. in another workaholic environment. That, mm -hmm. that is not good. Mm -hmm. That is not what God called us to. This is, it's related, I think, um, because with entertainment uh, comes the conversation about art, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's movies that are definitely considered art. There's, there's, of course, books, novels that are considered art and, and all these things. And art is different than mindless entertainment. But something that, that comes to my mind is as we look at the Bible, and we should always be cautious when we compare the Bible to anything else. Um, but mm -hmm. when we look at the Bible, we don't see a thousand pages of like theological treatise. We see mm -hmm. narrative, we see poetry, we see songs, we see mm -hmm. all sorts of different media 
through the written word. As we consume entertainment, which again, entertainment versus art, they're two different conversations, but as we consume entertainment, we see in the way that the Bible was constructed that there is value in communicating through different means. And Mm -hmm. so we can be discerning as to what we consume in terms of entertainment. We can consume better quality entertainment that will commend to us, you know, better stories or better values or whatever. You know, we can, you can sit and watch three hours of trash television, or you could watch three hours of something really meaningful. That's good. You're going to walk away from having been provoked to think more deeply about yourself or, or race issues or, or, you know, like with the chosen, the life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, So like there's, as we're being entertained and, and, as Bill said, you know, you need to unwind the rubber band some. And so there's room, I think, for some you know, mindless consumption in terms of, you know, you're not really engaging your mind, not in terms of like, I don't care what I'm consuming, just give it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think also like we can we can find like a, a balance of I'm consuming this media, whether it's music or a video game or a music or a movie or, or a TV show, thoughtfully in that I I know that this is a quality product and I'm going to get something out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Just as you would get out of reading a good book, hmm. I, I think to to speak to what you said about how can it be a blessing, I think of some just different occasions of specifically some TV shows or some movies that I've seen that I'd love to see like really amazing character development where a character mm-hmm. goes mm. is it goes on a journey and really transforms and that's always there's one thing I'm thinking in particular that I've seen more recently there where this character really was a horrible guy and just really experienced a radical transformation. It was almost like a different person. And it just mm-hmm. it was very thought-provoking. It was a blessing mm-hmm. to me to think, this is how it is when we come to Christ. Mm-hmm. It's just this radical transformation. We're so different than we were before. So, I mean, those, I think, like Scott was saying, like really choosing high-quality stuff that's going to engage our brains. Not that it has to be all the time. They have to be, we have to be on 24-7. <laughs> sure. Um, but that, that's been a personal blessing and like, an insight for me that I've walked away yeah. from. Yeah. Like, wow, that is, I want to be like that, like continually transformed by God in that way. Mm-hmm. That, that kind of makes me think of something else, Stan, which is we're told to be in the world, but not of the world. Mm-hmm. And of course that balance is one that I think we all kind of muddle through for 80 years and then we die. Um, but, <laughs> but it's still what we're told to do. And I think like we know, we know that the world, secular world is engaging in, so much entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that we want to model ourselves after that, but engaging as well provides opportunities for connection. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like with what Dan was just talking about, whatever this show was, you know, saying like, hey, like, have you have you seen this show? Like, this is this can actually really happen. Mm-hmm. And then in fact, this happened to me um, because of the work of Jesus Christ in my life. This isn't just fiction, but this is reality. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can connect to people on a on a level that they will immediately understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like what Jesus did with the parables to a certain extent. Although, I think correct me if I'm wrong, Bill or Dan, but I think contrary to popular opinion, Jesus used the parables actually to kind of obscure things, not necessarily mm-hmm. to to make them super clear. But he still used something that people would immediately understand. Mm-hmm. And I think engaging in entertainment to some degree gives you greater opportunity. And it doesn't have to be, you know, could be anything. It could be like, you know, Bill runs marathons and somehow that's entertainment for him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but now he's got that connection point for other people that can connect to that or, you know, or sure. anything, anything that other mm-hmm. people like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like living in 
Central and South America, liking soccer was like that a bit. It was a big connection point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A way to start conversations where you're in another language, but also like it's in a different culture and it's a way to, to build a friendship, like at least to start building a friendship and start to talk to someone about, hey, did you did you see the game last night? Wasn't that crazy? Or, mm -hmm. And it, it does help to kind of meet people where they are, the things mm -hmm. that they're interested in. You know, one thing that we haven't talked about at all with entertainment is it's visceral. We kept saying thinking and mind, those words kept coming up, but part of the beauty of entertainment is it is at a gut level. You mm. you get emotionally involved, particularly mm. soccer. <laughs> you really get emotionally involved, but music too. You get emotionally involved, yeah. and, and we need that. To be a complete person, there needs to be an emotional release also, and mm -hmm. entertainment has done that better than just about anything else out there. We want to connect in the worship service at that level that we've been able to connect with the soccer field. And there were years when I was a soccer coach when I'd think, why do I like this so much? I mean, at a visceral level, this is way more, way more complete in my life than even the church. And I don't like that. I don't want that. But, but it was true. It was easy to start thinking about soccer and what position I would play each of these girls in and how I could move things around. And sure. I do that with church too. Church has been over 40 years. Soccer was only three years. I don't know that I could handle it for 40 years. It would be <laughs> because it, it is superficial too. It's mm. not, it's not an eternal truth. It's, it's just not got the depth of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. It just yeah. doesn't. Yeah. I think the uh, Chicago Bears fans that are listening react to your visceral, <laughs> visceral yeah. emotions. Yeah. Like yeah. perpetual disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I want to uh, bring in John Piper. Um, he has these sort of core questions that he asks about, um, about all behaviors, um, and, and especially with the the things that we choose to to sort of consume right the 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 choices you know um that we choose to make as to how we spend our time and how to bill's point um what we choose to emotionally engage with and intellectually engage with and or not engage with right what to just sort of uh uh, uh mindlessly consume um and so he says questions to ask about possible behaviors are um, how will this help me treasure Christ more? How will it help me show that I do treasure Christ? How will it help me know Christ or display Christ? Um, how can I portray God as glorious in this action? And how can I enjoy making much of him in this behavior? Can you give me an answer to, to any of, of those sort of core questions when it comes to um, movies to television to to video games like how or, or music or sports like um, how can this help us uh, all right I, I've got an answer for you Max yeah. in the area of sports and I'll go back to soccer sure even though I was caught up in it trying to learn it very quickly because I had to learn it well enough to be able to coach the kids mm -hmm. I found myself also putting it at the foot of the cross. And so I would pray for each of my players by name to come to salvation. Hmm. And I ran the soccer team a lot like a church youth group. <laughs> We'd have 
sleepovers and parties and <laughs> they just loved it. I mean, it's sort of like, particularly the first year, I don't know what I'm doing, but we're having a heck of a lot of fun and the kids are having <laughs> fun and the parents liked it because amazingly we were winning games and they were improving real fast. And so it was everything you wanted it to be. Yeah. Well, there was one girl I really want to point to. I had her as a player for three full seasons. Her name is Cassie Martin. And I would pray for her just day after day, year after year. And then we moved to Bloomingdale Church. And of course, you lose contact with all those people. But, but for some reason, I, I was on the phone with her. It was just like a fluke thing. Somebody that was close to our family was talking to me and Cassie Martin was at their home. And I said, oh, yeah, I'd love to talk to Cassie. I talked to Cassie. I find out she got saved. <laughs> mm -hmm. She got saved at a Young Life meeting. I thought, oh, this is awesome. I've been praying for you for years. This is so great to hear. Yeah. So even if it's something that seems frivolous on the surface, mm -hmm. I really believe that as long as it's not something that you'd be embarrassed to, to have Jesus in the room with you on, Mm -hmm. that, that you you can lay that at the foot of the cross and see see God mm -hmm. do something of eternal value with it. Mm -hmm. One of the, the most important men in sort of the development of my faith um, was a, a Boeing engineer in Seattle named Miles who loved games and and um, you know would play all kinds of games with us and and displayed a lot of of. I don't know, just like responsibility when it came to like, okay, like these are our, you know, we're going to play for two hours and, and that's going to be it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, first we're going to uh, have a Bible study. Like some of the kids who were there were there to play games, but I was there to be mentored by someone that I loved and identified with. And he was playing games with these kids to connect with them um, and to, and to begin that relationship. Um and so like that made a huge impression on me as a middle schooler um, and into high school of just really seeing, um, I was always very afraid to talk about Jesus Christ um, because of the the sort of culture I grew up in in Seattle, uh, which is very opposed to, to the gospel in most forms. Um, but to see Miles just like have no fear um, and, and using this relationship that he's built with these guys um, to just straight up tell them the gospel to their face uh, was amazing to me. And it was, and it was based on, you know, Hey, like I've, you know, you've sat through our devotions and, and stuff and then been like, come on, come on, come on. Can we play games? And over time that has changed. And as we've built rapport, as we've built connection, like that's uh, grown into you being willing to, to know me and know my, my God, like, man, I hope that I, at some point in some form of entertainment and some form of, of hobby can, can have such an explicit answer as, as he has when it comes to how can I treasure Christ more through this and how can I show that I treasure Christ more through this. I was thinking about the realm of parenting, which I guess isn't a surprise being the family's pastor, but <laughs> <laughs> just thinking about it, it's so easy for parents to just stick their kids in front of the TV and let the TV almost like raise the kids Mm -hmm. Just say, hey, this is like the it's like becomes the one eyed babysitter. Yeah, you just stick the. It's very convenient. You give them the phone, you give them the TV, you give them Netflix, and yeah, you can go do what you want. Yeah, but I would encourage any parents or grandparents listening, like if you're 
gonna and not necessarily bad that your kids watch a TV program or series, but I encourage you to sit down and watch it with them, and then be real mm-hmm. intentional in this kind of idea. What you said, Max, of making much of God, helping others make much of God, yeah. in the sense of really tying in what's being like if it's a something that's negative that's happened or a character is acting in a really in a way that's like dishonoring the other people or disrespectful. To have a conversation about it, like what did you see in that? Mm-hmm. that you didn't like or what what did you think of when this person acted that way or said this like amber yeah. and i really try to when our daughter watches programs like be present watch something with her and then talk about it as a family of like uh, what did you think of in this kid's program when the kid spoke disrespectfully to their parent and, and kind of engage in a in a conversation in that way mm-hmm. and then to kind of trying to and not not like making like great stretches <laughs> to tie it <laughs> back sure. to the gospel where there's a natural <laughs> connection bringing it up et et Sure. That's what really hit me was E.T. I haven't even seen and Lay Miz that that movie oh, also. Oh, for sure, yeah. Well, so what does that mean for our relationship to storytelling? Like, uh, you know, storytelling is, is is often, especially in some of the most uh, well-renowned or, or or most well, you know, largely liked, talked about, discussed, especially today in in the world of Netflix shows like Stranger Things, things like that that, that are really story focused and and people's minds explode when you know various plot events happen like what does that mean to our relationship to storytelling which is such a core part of entertainment in 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 all forms i just think if we have those conversations with people being willing to speak up about it i think as it pertains to media and as we see connections come up and Mm -hmm. and if and hopefully the lord would provide an opportunity for a conversation about something like that with someone that we can say hey there was this part, but have you considered, I don't know, I'm thinking about Superman. Like, that's a great, that's a, Superman is like a huge messianic figure. Mm-hmm. And if you watch Superman connecting that with who Jesus is, I don't know, maybe that's a stretch. But um, Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather, trivia quizzes, and your, uh, I don't know, E.T. references, uh, your messianic. E.T. phone home. Movie references to podcast <laughs> at bloomingdalechurch.org. You know what? We're not going to do bets again because I, uh, even though we'll only have time for like one or two sentences from you guys, uh, I Thanksgiving's coming up and uh, I have a lot of friends who have politically divided families. Um, and it's sort of a, a, a running joke, at least for a lot of people in American culture, that Thanksgiving is the time when people get into fights about politics. How can, in your opinion, how can we honor God in our conversations about the election, in our conversations about politics? My gut response is to be like, don't, don't talk about the election and don't talk about politics. Um, but how can we honor God and and to to rip off of John Piper again, how can our behavior help us show that we treasure Christ um, in conversations with family members who have different perspectives with us um, during the holidays, during Thanksgiving? Have grace with people. Recognize that not everyone's going to agree with what you say. Mm-hmm. And be quick to say, I'm, I'm going to be praying for our elected officials. Mm-hmm. And then do it. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily right there with them. <laughs> you could at the dinner table over yeah. here praying for your food but um, but yeah just have grace with it's easy to to quarrel and bicker and get frustrated especially now mm-hmm. that i feel like we're, we've kind of regressed when in terms of restrictions and gone gone the other way we were hoping we would go 
Uh, and so it's easy to just let the frustration take over and kind of seep into the conversations, but mm-hmm. be aware that that can happen and have grace with each other. Hmm. Uh, I, I would say my gut, as you were doing the lead up to the question, Max, my gut was like, yeah, just don't talk about it. But be, not like just I'll brush on the rug, but just like keep the main thing the main thing. Mm. Like what matters more? Who's in the White House who you will literally never meet in your entire life <laughs> or your family member? Like they're mm. so much more important than, mm. than who's president. Man. And so just yeah. like yeah. talk about it if you want to, but don't talk about it if it's going to be divisive. Like mm. there's just no point. It's not worth yeah. it. Yeah. If someone brings it up, change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> How about those yams? Our well, really, it's Thanksgiving. I, I think the focal point should be thankfulness to yeah. God. That's yeah. true. And I not agree. get sidetracked with football and politics and COVID. Mm. There's plenty to be thankful for in the midst of COVID. There's been so many great things that have happened in our lives because COVID forced the issue. I, I think of all these cool things that have happened at church. Mm-hmm. We would not be involved with them at all if it weren't for COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Awesome. Um, well, with no final word, that is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank, Thank you, Max. Dan Marcello, we had uh, uh, a, a person who... Uh, you'll never know who it was, but their first name is Nita, wrote in and said, I would like to hear Dan take us home in Spanish. Ole! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dan, will you take us home? Sure. Has estado escuchando el podcast de Bloomingdale Church de Bloomingdale, Illinois, El Corazón de la Nación. Scott, as somebody who is, you know, on the on the younger end of the spectrum, especially compared to Dan, um, <laughs> do you, burn. Do you, you know, like strike me as uh, in our in our relationship, you've never struck me as like a, a, a super strong like uh, people pleaser. I feel like it'd be really funny if you said, "You don't know me at all, Max. We can't. Yeah. You're wrong. We can't be I, friends anymore." <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>